Good morning. Yeah, it is morning. It definitely is morning. <clears throat> so, <laughs> Ugh. all right. Here's the deal. Welcome to Cameron and Brock, our two people, the weekly podcast that has taken two weeks off. Um, the reason that we took two two weeks off is. Uh, due to conflicting schedules, Brock now no longer works normal human being hours and works begins work after lunch and ends work at the end of at the actual end of the day, right? Roughly? Yeah, that's about right. Okay. So uh, her normal human standards. <laughs> I mean you the level of derision you clearly have for normal human standards is evident. Um, but for some people trying to do an evening podcast, it, it really, uh, really throws a wrench, uh, into the, into the things. So we were going to record Sunday night, but then we didn't, uh, due to be forgetting. And also, frankly, we would just have to change schedules again when, when football started back up or something in 70 episodes from now. (laughs) So instead, here we are, Monday morning, uh, at seven at seven o five here uh, in Chicago. Um, I haven't woken up before seven o'clock not to drive to Disney World or some other sort of travel situation in quite a while due to uh, the due to the some issues that I've discussed before, wherein my daughter wakes up at. Uh, one and then sometimes again at three and then sometimes again at five. Um, so I'm here. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, I I am as well. I was getting up before five until I now get home after midnight. So it's just a very um, I don't know. My body's just just giving up trying to figure it out i'll just be tired pretty much whenever this will be cameron and brock the podcast where by the end of it we'll almost be awake all the way (laughs) now to to be clear it is a tuesday currently but once we switch to doing this on a monday hypothetically we will both be able to get to sleep Early now, I went to sleep early, so I should really not complain too much. You actually went to work yesterday, so you're you. I mean, it, it is. Yeah. Okay, that's a good. I that's a good point. I won't. I will at least not have an excuse why I didn't go to bed early on Sunday. Right. And okay. I did. I did go to bed early. Um, I and I I was awoken at one, and I was awoken again at three. Um. And then I, I, I comforted the small person who always wakes me up then, got her back to bed because I don't want her in my bed. So that's what will happen. And then I woke up at mm, 4.45, turned her over, turned over, and there she was in my bed. <laughs> so somewhere between three and four, I missed one of the times that she woke up. You know, up. As, yeah. as cute as I imagine she is, this sounds vaguely like the run-up of a horror movie where it starts out innocuous and then we're not sure if it's you losing your sanity due to lack of sleep or something 
that's not quite right with her that things start happening like this. She just appears places. You lose tracks of time. Uh, I like this setup. I'm, I'm like gone on a business trip and I turn it in the middle of the night and she's there. <laughs> exactly. And then you wake up with a start and you're alone on a business trip, but then you're not sure what's real anymore. Mm. Yeah. There's a, have you ever, uh, old Ray Bradbury short story, one of my favorite called the tiny assassin. That is about a woman that is convinced that the baby she just Oh, her baby's going to kill her. Yeah. yeah. They actually shot that one for the Ray Bradbury Theater, which was a Twilight Zone-esque show that was on for like two seasons in the 80s. Oh, wrong. It was on for six. Really? They just put it on uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah, I know. That's where I I track. I, I basically, I... I tracked down that and like a few of my other favorite short stories to see. I don't remember it be, that being that many seasons. That's, that's a lot. Well, it's very spotty as far as its quality. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Cause I'm, I am an avid seeker of those kinds of shows, but yeah, it, some are worth watching, but anyway, I'm glad it exists. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, you, not every day you get to watch a, a television show about a murder baby. Uh, that baby, in that was that was fairly faithful to the source material. I want to say they added a subplot or something because again, it's like a three-page short story about a, a woman who's convinced her baby is going to kill her, and then she like falls down the stairs and dies. Um, oh, spoiler! You know, it's a three-page short story. <laughs> um, uh, all right. I've got coffee here. I'm actually, if in, if at any point it sounds like I'm shifting into reverse and pulling my trailer away, it's just that I'm in the front room instead of the back room. So I'm pretty near the very busy intersection we live on. Um, so there's going to be some, at some point, a semi blowing by or, you know, a, a siren or something. But I just didn't have the heart to wake up the family. Uh, Shannon was up for it. I asked her, you know, hey, is it okay if I record a podcast at 7 o'clock in the morning, an hour in which literally no one in our family is ever awake except for maybe the two-year-old? And she said, sure. But then she was asleep. So, And you'll be turning around periodically to see if Felix is just staring blankly at you from the side. Oh, well, no, she'll come running out here in a little while. <laughs> She's... <laughs> She'll she'll just charge out here and yell at me. So I'll, at least then I'll know it's real. I guess. Okay, I'll help you. I'll double check with you. Okay, cool. Uh, so anything on the docket? It's been it's been two weeks. Uh, the hypothetical docket just being the list of things that we are supposed to be tracking to talk about. I don't know. This is Cameron and Brock. I already said that. This is Cameron and Brock. Our two people. Email us at CameronandRock at gmail.com if you want to. Oh, did you ever figure out how to log into oh, said yeah, yeah, email? Yeah. No, it's it's fine. I, f- I gave you the wrong password. I'll let you log in. Oh. It's cool. There's an email from Google in there so, telling us thank you for making an email address. I wonder if they're listening. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> uh, do you All right, any- but other than Google, we're still clear we, yeah, 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 yeah. We're not supposed to. We're supposed to act like there. We've gotten lots of emails, and then none of them have passed muster. <laughs> none of them are good enough. Well, that's right. You know. uh, so, what do you what do you have to talk about today? Please tell me I, you have something. 
have. Well, it's been two weeks. What happened? I was gone. I was in the great city of Houston. Oh, yeah. Um, Visiting my new niece, um, who was awesome and just as great as I could have thought. And then, oh, well, and then there's the food. Houston is a nightmare of traffic and bilingual people, or two languages, most people of which aren't actually bilingual, so we just always (laughs) sort of sign to each other. Um, At this point, it's... it's it's remarkably even. I think I was in as many places where they didn't speak my language as I didn't speak theirs as far as the who was the minority in any given scenario. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, and it's... what Are you cutting out? I, can't I, hear I don't you. think so. No, I'm just li- okay. listening attentively. I'm just I don't wa- believe you. Just waiting to yes and, but unfortunately, no, there yes I had and. to say no. I'm not cutting. Yeah, it. and it's very flat and hot. It floods a lot. Um, the roads are in disrepair. Really? Uh, all of this to say that I love Houston because it is spectacularly filled with delicious foods. Every possible food. And good versions of it. It's incredible. There's an incredible amount of different cultures mixed up in Houston. It's pretty cool. My uh, my coworker might have actually been in Houston, uh, uh, kind of uh, at the same time you were. Uh, excuse me. She was um, she was down there, and she sent me a photo of a, a huge metal bowl full of about three dozen crawfish and what looked like three dozen uh, cups of, of minced garlic. Just and some sort of a... <laughs> have, you, have you had the, the... I think this is the Asian crawfish thing that is real big right now? I don't, I don't think I've had it. Oh, no. You I'll ask okay. I'll ask my brother. He, yeah. he'll, he'll know everything. There, there is a, there's some sort of a... I'm very interested in this, being that I, I'm probably the person who eats the most crawfish in uh, i'd say the about between the two of us in, well i was going to say in north chicago <laughs> but yeah well i don't know what you're competing with up in chicago it may be a very monoculture i don't know um if so they need to tell me where to buy crawfish so i can stop bordering frozen crawfish from louisiana um, but uh, we we buy crawfish tails to be clear i'm not like throwing a crawfish boil yet um, I have tried to, and uh, realized that you know there are seasons for that sort of thing. But anyway, um, so uh, she sent this uh, photo of of this bowl of crawfish, and there there was one of these places in Jacksonville when I lived there. Um, but I I was told it was very very sketchy and not to go there, so I didn't. Um, but there is a crossover. I want uh, Southeast Asian sla- uh, crawfish thing that has happened. A heavily spiced sort of crawfish boil situation. Um, I don't know. Ask Jake about it. He can get back to me. I'm sure he has. All right. He's, he's I a, will. He's a fairly adventurous there's a, eater. There's a dedicated crawfish restaurant south of where I work. Oh, really? And I don't know. 
I've been there. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's okay. But you would think if really all you serve is crawfish, then... Hey, is crayfish not a word, a different word, or a bastardized pronunciation of crawfish? It's, it's a, um, I mean, I'm not, I hate to, I don't actually know who says crayfish. I guess it's as correct. I, I don't, I mean, I feel like crayfish is what you read in like a textbook for some reason. Um, I've always said crawfish. I'm also familiar with crawdad, although I feel like if you're saying crawdad, you're one step away from just saying mud bugs, which is also a thing. Um, and that, that, that's a little more west of Louisiana. That's a little bit more like going to visit your cousin who, who, like, uh, who, who hey, shot, shot a gator yesterday kind of thing. <laughs> I'm going to stick with crawfish. Yeah, like uh, crawfish. Yeah, all right. Well, I don't know that that kind of... Uh, modernized take on crawfish has reached the uh, metropolitan Pensacola area, but I'll look it up. Yeah, I don't think it's modernized so much as just like uh, across the the Pacific. There, um, let's see, crawfish. I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to look it up. It's I. I can't imagine a restaurant being. I mean, building your entire restaurant around crawfish. And I, I like crawfish, but it is also. Um, you know, Cajun food is uh, not there. There's not a massive menu of what I would consider to be like core Cajun dishes. Like the the crawfish was born of necessity at the time. Um, you know, so you have your your crawfish etouffee and your crawfish. Uh, you throw it in some gumbo or some jambalaya, I guess, if you want to. And other than that, you got like crawfish on a po' boy. But that's I, I I don't consider it like a uh, you don't use every part of the crawfish you know what I'm saying it's not it's not a uh, wait but rec- you do restaurant. use every part of the crawfish <laughs> like you boil them okay whole sure I was trying to make a, a look it's it's seven seventeen in the morning I was trying, trying to, to make a Native American joke I was trying to make I was just saying that like it, it's probably pretty hard to build an entire restaurant full of crawfish dishes. At some point, you're True. just making shrimp dishes and putting crawfish in there because you you committed to this crawfish bit. I think you underestimate the limited nature of the menu. As oh, well. Okay, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, crawfish boil, crawfish etouffee, jambalaya, red beans and rice. Not all of those have crawfish in them. No, I mean, I, I'm like I said, I guess you could put it in jambalaya, but that's not really. I mean, you put andouille in jambalaya, but. So, yeah. Rest assured, there would be at least 10 different places in Houston to try such things. Just leave an hour ahead of time, no matter how close you are to them. Yeah, to I, make I, sure. I drove past Houston when I was 12 or 13, and I remember like we were in the, on the interstate going directly past the downtown, and I remember it all looking very new and sparkly and completely unappealing. It looks like Turbo Atlanta from the interstate, I guess. Um, I'm Tur- surprised. Did you say Turbo Atlanta? Turbo Atlanta, like huge Atlanta. Like Atlanta, but maybe even oh. bigger and harder <laughs> to get around. I'm surprised to hear that the roads are in disrepair because I think Houston sprang out of nothing in like 1975. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the type of ground it's built on. I heard about this once. Anyway, hmm. it's all construction. But 
that's where I was for a while. Nice. I uh, I hosted a uh, I hosted a, a three year old's birthday party. Um, my daughter's now three. That was cool. Um, I guess that comes to mind primarily because I got I used it as an excuse to cook for a lot of people. Um, because that's the best. Uh, I. Well, now, what is it that's appealing to you about cooking for a lot of people? Because I can think of a couple reasons that maybe. Um, I I honestly don't know. I think it gives me something to. It gives me like a very measurable goal. Um, you can run around the kitchen and pretend you're like important cooking guy for a while, like juggle a bunch of tasks at once, uh, get a bunch of positive reinforcement if whatever you make tastes good and everyone tells you that it's good. I mean, that's nice. Um, it's. Have you figured out a... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go. Uh, have you figured out a good way to distinguish polite, re, uh, polite positive reinforcement from people discerningly thinking that your food had some kind of good trait that they're trying to tell you about? I guess what I mean is I cook a lot of barbecue... I cook a lot of things, but often I'm cooking barbecue for, you know, groups of people. And I usually like the barbecue I cook, but everybody's always, you know, oh, it's so great, blah, 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 blah. And I like, you know, I'm fine getting thanked for the effort. But then also, I would like to hear specifically if something was good or not. And so it's really hard to tell when people are just, you know. Uh-huh. You know, they feel indebted to you, and when you're like, you know, was it actually good this time? Like, I'm trying to constantly make it, you know. I'm trying to refine the craft know. here. <laughs> like, uh, I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Um, no, you're looking for. I selfishly would like to make my own food the best. I no, I get it. You're looking for uh, nuance. You're looking for uh, judging almost, it, or perhaps at least to be able to believe if they say it's amazing that they actually <laughs> had some kind of experience that was like that. I mean, I I, I think that the best indicator of quality, and if you're just, it, I feel like there's two different questions here. I'm not sure if you're looking for did I screw up? Like, is my food good or not? And, uh, or if I already know my food is good and I want uh, like specific uh, opinions about like spice balances and stuff. The second one I can't help you with. The first one is I think even more of an, uh, one of the reasons that uh, cooking for a group of people is fun, which is that unlike cooking for like one or two people, um, I feel like cooking for enough people, you start getting into a sample size where uh, you can just go by whether there's anything left at the end, and that's like that's your indicator of whether what you whether you nailed it or not. Because like, it's not just about food quality; it's about like, did I cook the right kind of people for the for this many people, or uh, right kind of food for this many people? And uh, you know, if you get all if you get the right food, you and you, uh, you and uh, people like it. There, there will be none left. Um, so so like, the loophole here is that if I underserve, then um, I can at least pretend it was superior quality. Sh- sure, um, that y- y- I feel like you might you might get some bad vibes from that. But it, <laughs> I mean, like uh, so so I cooked. Um, 
so I made some uh, grilled cheese. Felix wanted grilled cheese, so we had a grilled cheese party. Um, so I, I made uh, two types of grilled cheese. I made your, your white bread and your, your uh, two slices of Kraft Singles, kind of classic grilled cheese. Um, uh-huh. Because who doesn't like grilled cheese, first of all? But like, it was I personally am more into a a real cheese, grilled cheese. So, so we I I made a bunch of those, and I made a bunch of um, kind of thick uh, country bread and uh, and, like country white bread, and then uh, Munster and sharp cheddar, like a nice kind of highbrow grilled cheese. Um, and so I, you know, whip those out. We have this brand new stove that's got a big, long, like burner right in the middle. Um, so, so there's this kind of grill area on the gas stove. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was able to like kind of fire off a lot of grilled cheese all at once while talking to people, which was pretty fun. And, uh, and people inhaled that grilled cheese. I made some tomato soup. I made Anthony Bourdain's tomato soup recipe that came out uh, good. This was all like, you know, feel just comfort food like everybody likes tomato soup and grilled cheese except for felix she had no interest in tomato soup um and oh okay but she was down with the grilled cheese oh yeah but you weren't just like hey thanks for turning three felix see ya here's some grilled here's some tomato soup eat it it's healthy no she got exactly what she wanted which was uh cheese um and then i uh you know i had to build it into enough food for a party so then i did like a bunch of uh Crudités, which is, it's obnoxious that there's a word for just putting a bunch of, like, pieces of vegetables on a bowl, but whatever. And uh, and some ranch dip and some edamame hummus, which was a recipe I found that's like tahini and edamame uh, kind of blended into a hummus-like material. And, uh, and then this stuff called bagna cauda, which... I'm pronouncing wrong, probably. Are you familiar with this? It might be Banya Cauda. I don't Bagna, it's Italian. Anything? Oh, I'm not sure I know. Oh, okay. So I had never Just heard of it. that. I, I got it from a, a site, and it's like roasted walnuts and olive oil. And, um, and what ended up, the recipe that I had, instead of anchovies, used fish sauce. It used a, like a shockingly large amount of fish sauce. Um, so it was kind of this roasted walnut, lime juice, fish sauce thing. Um, there was a dip for the vegetables and that, so I kind of had the full gamut, right? Like there's, there's the stuff I know people are going to inhale, like the grilled cheese and the tomato soup. And they did everyone liked that stuff. None was left at the end. Um, and then there was the, the ranch dip, which come on, you know, ranch. And then there was the edamame hummus and then this like fish sauce stuff. So I had like a risky thing, a medium risky thing and ranch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So what I learned from all that is that, um, and this is all stuff I made ahead of time. I wasn't like blending up roasted walnuts in front of people. I'm not crazy. Uh, you were like juggling ingredients and right. making jokes and then. Yeah, I was doing bar tricks with <laughs> jars of ranch. No, I had made most of the, the, all the dips and stuff beforehand. Um, but what I, I came away from that, no one... The entire oh, I had a lot of people mention what they ended up calling the fish sauce stuff because you put fish sauce in something, and I guess most people are not like used to that. We use fish sauce fairly often, but like uh, so everyone ended up raving about the fish sauce stuff, um, which was it's really good. It's a it's not a flavor that you expect. It's kind of sharp and salty, but also limey. It's it was good, um, but and then uh, no no one 
NATO out of it too. No one the entire night said anything about the or day said anything about the edamame hummus. Uh, I definitely like there. There's your signal, right? Like no one said anything mm. about it, and there was a lot left over. So, well, yeah. so at best, the other dips were so engaging. At worst, it was <laughs> inedible. It wasn't inedible. It was just I get I get it. Like it wasn't a. It was not an improvement upon regular hummus to have it be kind of green and uh, edamame-y. Um, but anyway, but that, that, that's, that was what I, I gleaned from that. But, you know, what, I had enough safe bets on the menu that I was okay with a swing and a miss on, like, a dip. It was fine. Yeah, I think that's a – yeah, that's a good way. I don't like when I – think mm, this is not the best version of this and then people act similarly impressed uh, and i'm like hmm yeah and i do like that suspicious face well but right at them you just look at them and yeah like until they leave i don't uh, even respond and <laughs> you know, I don't know what they're thinking, but I get a lot out of it. Well, at some point, they're thinking, I need to leave. <laughs> this guy won't stop staring at me. They're thinking, is it worth eating this food to have to come over here again? Thanks for, thanks for the this food, Brock. Food. And you just go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've become, I've become obsessed with the idea. <laughs> I'm just like yelling at people. This food? Do thanks for this food? This garbage? <laughs> I got you. This is stuff I found in the trash at Walmart. I, it was a test. <laughs> um, I've had that happen with ribs. I, I'll make ribs, and I've, I've literally never made ribs I was, I was really happy with. I don't make them very often because usually if I'm going to barbecue, I might as well go uh, and grab a shoulder and make a day of it and stuff. Ribs are weird because I feel like they're not in the smoker long enough to allow for the smoke day where you just sort of like hang out and do nothing and wait. You're like, oh, no, I'm doing something. <laughs> Every 30 minutes I'm putting chips in the smoker. No, I'm busy. I can't, I can't get out today. I'm, I'm doing something. Um, and like you can spend your entire day basically watching baseball and putting chips in a smoker every 30 minutes and consider it a job well done. Uh, but with, um, with ribs, you know, it's, it's like, six hours maximum and you kind of got to dote over them and maybe you got to go out there and brush them with sauce or whatever. Um, and I've mistimed ribs enough times like where I have to go throw, wrap them in foil and like throw them in the oven for a little while. And I, I will end up with these ribs that are just like fall off the bone. Like you go to pick up the bone and the ribs are just off there. People love that crap. And it makes me sad every time. Cause I feel like I've never really nailed ribs, but like in my, humble experience generally speaking the the uh the folks that that have eaten my ribs all they want is like the tenderest ribs possible yeah i think there is a confusion as to how easy some things are to do versus others i i'm not sure like for ribs are a perfect example if you wrap up ribs and you steam them for a few hours um they will just fall to pieces and it will be a moist and tender type of meat, right? And you're so right. People flip out. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so tender. But to 
cook a rib that's just that's tender but just textured enough that it stays on the bone and it's like this balance and there's so many things and it's so much harder to get it that way that I feel less than enthused about (laughs) the response to things that I was like, well, if I wanted to cook it this way, I could have done less effort. Yeah. You, you wanted it this way. We could have, I could have gotten a big, I could have sous vide these things. (laughs) Why are I here? Put them in the back. Yeah, this this is going bad. We're just, we're just going to be grumpy old men that just throw away good looking food in our, in front of our guests and be like, nobody's eating that. You like, like this? It's good. Splat. <laughs> you <laughs> don't like this. How about this is now? not up to standard. <laughs> Hope you're ready. We're going to have a party again in six hours. Everyone go sit down. Be quiet. <laughs> That's definitely where I'm going. No, okay. I'm, I enjoy myself cooking either way. And uh, it's really not for self, uh, reinforcement it's genuinely good when you think hey everyone would like this i would like this if i went somewhere else and then you can relax and have a good time doing whatever you're doing well yeah it's not it's the best kind of self-reinforcement i guess which is that like you're what you're getting out of it is like giving someone that like they can't like or don't have to spend the time to figure out or whatever to do at home, and you know you're you're providing it, and it's 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 all very it's all very good for everybody, I guess. Uh, the the like uh, the the uh, all the aspects, all the things. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, I did the I did the party. Uh, it went well. I still have edamame hovets in the fridge. It's starting to kind of. Um, get less green as time goes on. I probably am going to end up throwing away the rest of that. Um, ate all of the fish sauce stuff. I should get you that recipe just so you try it. Um, I thought there was a typo. I'm sitting there like one cup of roasted walnuts. Got it. Two limes. Got it. And then it's like one half cup of fish sauce. And I was, I was like a half cup, huh? <laughs> Is that what we're fish doing? Fish sauce here? can be so good in things, but I'm always thinking if this isn't, a good mix it's gonna taste like it was left open in a rotting refrigerator you know it's got yeah, that it's super fish funky. sauce could taste like you left it out or it could just be the perfect balance right and this had such an insane amount i thought it was going to be uh bad but i'm and i'm not crazy i'm i'm referring to the attendees to my at my party as well the, 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 the hypothetical party. Yeah. Well, I mean, at some point, I'd be lying about the friends. whole thing. Yeah. My I mean, I believe daughter. you have a daughter. Well, I haven't seen any of your friends. So. I mean, somebody wakes me up at one and three in the morning, unless all that's not real either. In which case, we have a lot more I to talk about. I think we've established we don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, um. Let's see. Did you do anything else? I didn't like write down what I did or anything. I would have to go consult. Uh, my the journals that we've referred to so often on this show. I wrote down three things for this episode two weeks ago, and I don't know what any of them mean. Um, <laughs> well, even better. Yeah. One of them just says steak ratio. Do you remember what steak ratio is? <laughs> <laughs> that was... That was a thing yeah, from I, our previous episode. I'm pretty sure I do. It was... Okay, I think it was just an observation... 
of the ratio of money I've spent on steak, steak being an example here of something that has held consistent value to me throughout, let's just say, my married life. Okay. Um, the the um, amount of money you spend on steak versus how much money you make, how much income you have. <clears throat> I found that steak has the amount of money I would spend on steak has remained constant. Okay. It's just become a smaller part of my overall income. It, it's been like it, it's just one of those things that's just inherently necessary. Right. Okay. Right. I, I see what you, I, you know, this is actually very exciting to me because I had a concept I've been, um, I've been uh, simmering for a long time and I keep forgetting to write down to bring up on this podcast. It's a very similar uh, sort of way of processing costliness of something which is, and I've, I've called it the, uh, the ALC in the past with Shannon, which um, I'm sure she's not tired of me referring to my own acronym, uh, but uh, it's annual, annual lifestyle cost, all right? So mm. this concept of um, costliness as uh, not only as a factor of your, your personal amount of money that you have to spend, but also as a factor of what it really costs you over the course of a year, uh, given that generally speaking, when you buy something, it's not going to be the only time you buy it or that category of thing, right? So at some point that becomes a recurring lifestyle cost. Um, so for example, I have been, I, for, I, I, what, what is it, like the 9th of, or it's the 10th of April. I haven't spent... I haven't bought a lunch, a work lunch, since February. I've been trying very hard. One day I looked at it and I was like, you know, I, I go buy a sandwich that's like 10 bucks, right? Or I get a burrito or whatever, 11 or 12 bucks. I do that three times a week. That's 30 to $40. I do that, uh, you know, uh, if we average it out to two times a week over the course of a year, that's 100 and, you know, 100 weeks of working, uh and what you know so now we're talking what oh man it's still it's 738 in the morning are you trying to do you math know, you know, yeah let's just say you're spending <laughs> thousands of dollars thousands, on untold thousands of dollars on sandwiches thousands. that's right piles of sandwiches just because i didn't want to stop for like 90 seconds and grab something out of the fridge because we, we generally always have leftovers or even uh more impressively <clears throat> excuse me, making some rice the night before, grabbing some like sauce, like, you know, sauteing up some chicken that'll last a couple of days, whatever. Point mm -hmm. being, uh, you know, there are, there, there's, there's a, there's an ALC here of however much. Um, and you know, if you wanted to go down the whole, uh, system that I was, I've been cooking up, um, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's a factor of your, uh, of your income or, or whatever. Um, but even without that part of it, just talking about like the money per year of that, you know, you save, let's say you save $500 per year by eating lunch less often or by, 
get making you know brewing your own cup this doesn't apply to you because somehow you operate without coffee but like brewing your own oh, coffee in the morning coffee. oh i thought wait i mean i hadn't until oh, okay. recently because i was put on a midnight shift for a while <laughs> and yeah. uh, so welcome back to, to the world something. of coffee i guess um uh, two, yes but yeah, I have some uh, not very good coffee right now in my hands just because we were low, so we just ran to Starbucks. Uh, but, yeah, you're brewing your own coffee or um, worrying about – so uh, I've, I've, my dentist recently told me to start buying Sensodyne instead of Colgate or Crest, like, you know, Sensodyne, which is like the fancy dentist toothpaste. Um, Sensodyne is like five bucks a tube. And I'm over here going, oh, I don't want to spend $5 a tube on tube. This is the kind of person I am. I don't want to spend $5 a tube on toothpaste. <laughs> um, but the, like, a single tube of toothpaste lasts you, what, like three months or something? So the ALC difference, like the amount of money you're going to spend per year switching to Sensodyne instead of Colgate is hilariously small. You know, it's going to be like a, at the end of the year, Maybe you bought three $5 tubes instead of three $3 tubes, so the difference is $6 in a year or something like that. So it really, you know... That- yeah, I'm definitely following. Some some things would really be clear like that. And what's weird is it is a psychology totally. of the person doing it um, as to, you know, we think the relative value is... It it feels the same to us when we think we're we shouldn't be paying for something, but the results are probably wildly different if we really play them out. I mean, you're not spending untold thousands on toothpaste, right? But, but I, I think what it is is that you're. Wor- I'm starting to worry that if I like if I go down this if I become a Sensodyne guy, then I'm gonna like that something about my ability to maintain a budget is going to break apart. It, and the it's next a thing slippery you know, slope. Right, exactly. First thing at Sensodyne, uh, I think it's written somewhere, you know, flee even the appearance of Sensodyne. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, that's, uh, that's Ecclesiastes. Um, I, yes, it is. So the real trick is determining quality of life because I've had similar thoughts and, you know, I was just saying one thing recently, but I think when I get on a budget or even a diet, for for example, for health or otherwise, every time I'm depriving myself of something that I specifically want, I question, I know why I'm doing it, but the, the valid question to ask is, is this sacrifice worth what return or goal I am sacrificing for? And I don't know if it's always that clear. I think that there's a lot of things sound like morally responsible, right? Saving money in any sense sounds morally responsible, but you really got to think why you're doing it and what that's really doing. Because, you're not doing something so that your life you'll reach a life goal one day. I mean, you're just living your life, Mm. you know? So I guess there's a trade off and normally we only talk about it from the other side because the tendency is just don't 
waste all of your time and all of your money without thinking or budgeting or any of that. Right. But once you're past that, I sort of worry about the other side of it. Yeah, you're worried about being too responsible. I, you know, in a word. I, hmm. Yeah, I, I think about this sometimes. It, it's actually, I mean, and this is some, uh, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the topics here are semi-fraught because I feel that ultimately uh, you and I are, uh, you know, dads, we're white dudes with tech jobs, like... <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of troubles that I don't think we that actually apply to us, um, and so um, on some level, I you know everybody has their own uh, 99 problems, uh, uh, or like man, there's like a Buddhist thing that would be more appropriate than a Jay Z thing, uh, but the. Uh, <laughs> The uh, said everyone wants in their life, right? Every, everyone has their own set of problems, I guess. So, like, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle anyone else's by problems by implication. But there is a certain amount of um, constant pressure on um, the on the running a household, right? And like trying to eventually save up for you know we're renting and we once owned a house and we'd like to own a house again and that requires saving up a pretty significant amount of capital that we do not currently have um you know i I can't right now spin around and responsibly not get myself into like a terrible mid-2000s mortgage situation that i don't want to be in right and and so you know there when you are looking at trying to accumulate that money to 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 like move from own from renting to owning uh there kind of is no ceiling on that like obviously you want to end each month having saved something but there is i mean there there is a, a certain aspect of it and and i really should actually do something with this stake i'm calling it stake ratio now because that's such a better term than alc um there is something to be said for like actually like getting the stake ratio thing going uh, that might help me with this. But I do find myself kind of feeling sometimes like any money I spend uh, is, is going to be, is bad, right? Because there is no ceiling on saving. Like if I save, uh, I could spend a hundred dollars on this thing, but then I was, I will have not saved that hundred dollars at the end of the month. So why should I ever spend it? Right. Like yes. you, you kind of have yeah, to, it's, Right? It's very real. It it happens in a lot of, I would argue that it shows up in a lot of different places. And I think it's generally the idea, the idea of utilitarianism, right? So I was just, I was listening to something and talking about uh, the utilitarianism of morality, but in this case um, of just doing something like budgeting, it, that there's no end to how to perfect it, but it intersects with the practicality of living day to day. And we either underestimate the complexity or we don't really fully understand, you know, what motivations or, or reasons we have until we actually have to live them out. That it's, it's very different. And, it doesn't mix well. Um, the idea, the idea of what would work best, and then 
like doing things. Um, so I definitely see where you're coming from. Uh, I often just flip between them because it just seems too hard at some point to track all of it. So I just try a lot less. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we definitely have running a budget at all is a relatively new thing for us. Um, but like, you know, last couple of years or especially the last year because we moved here uh, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Moving here was, you know, not inexpensive. Uh, we we rebought a lot of furniture in instead of moving with a bunch of stuff that was pretty old and or IKEA to begin with. Um, and that ended up being a pretty like bad year in terms of like we ended up losing a bunch of money, uh, you know, over the course of the year. And so we're kind of still trying to make up ground from moving here. Um, and like, yeah, you have to set. Uh, you have to set not just failure goals, but you have to set, or like, you know, failure being like, I don't want to lose money this month or whatever, but you also need to set a success goal with just like, I want to save this much money and that's it. But if, because if you don't do that, or if I don't do that, then I personally am not only annoying to me, but I end up being annoying to Shannon where I'm like, Oh, how much was, you know, Oh, it looks like you bought a lot of groceries this week or whatever. Right. And like, that's, that's going to eventually, harm uh everyone if i'm sitting there like being super obsessive over like every little thing um so you know trying to make certain sacrifices but not like an infinite amount of sacrifice like you know if i spend i guess if you don't set some sort of a goal then your the actual goal is is uh spending zero right (laughs) Like the goal. That's exactly this, this, it. This hypothetical. There's... The real goal is that I sit on top of a pole in a robe the entire month and fast. <laughs> like, you know, that is the ultimate goal. And you know what? When it's just you, it sort of it's it might not be that bad because as long as you're feeling fulfilled through it, you know, it, it could be a form of of you know. A fulfilling life, I suppose. Yeah, but it could be. It can become its own obsession. But also, being married slash having children makes that immensely more complicated and not at all straightforward. Yeah, totally. Like, uh, just like the last month, we were like we we were pushing it on budget, but I hadn't taken Shannon out for a date and I was leaning towards not because we try to, we try to do a once a month date, which, which, you know, I fail at about half the time. And, uh, I, um, and I, I was leaning toward not doing it because it was pushing the budget numbers, but yeah, ultimately the budget swinging a hundred, 150 bucks or whatever for, you know, a date is not as important as the date. Right, like I do. Yeah, it just comes back to the idea of what are you doing any of it for? Right. And life is, there's been said so many cliche ways, but I'll just say that you're always living life. Like it's not, you know, you're not going to do it once you save your money. Like you're currently doing it and then you will be doing it. You know how that is. Oh, Um, I feel, I'm very strongly feel about that. I'm really with you on that one here. And who knows, though, and, and to back your side of the story, what if she wants a sandwich every time? You know, this could add up. 
specifically, specifically, the last time we talked about going on a date, she said she didn't want to just go to an expensive sandwich place. <laughs> um, <laughs> the reason that for that, bad. she's not like the the bad wife from a rom com or something. Like she had reasoning for that, which is when we go out with the kids, that's usually about the tier that we're going to. It's Chicago. There's a million places to get a real good sandwich. Um, and she wanted something a level above a real good sandwich. This is when I sent you that uh, the photo of that uh, um, the uh, ham hock uh, barbecue lemon pate thing. That was from our day. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That was good. Yeah, it was cool. I'm worried though. The the day that you you need to be honest with me and accountable. Okay. Uh, Let me know the day you like start sneaking your own leftovers into a restaurant and excusing yourself to the bathroom <laughs> so you can spend less money. Yeah, pre, no, it, it would be a pre-gaming at home situation. It's like ah, yeah. eating a peanut butter sandwich on the way. No, it's not. That's I'm, I'm a, a, if there's one place I'm not going to really cut any corners, it's food. I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely a sucker for spending too much money on food. If I had more, disposable income it would be spent on food and or ingredients um yeah but i mean there's another alc thing though right like you're gonna go to the store you got a certain grocery budget um, right imagine not eating out is saving you money is it oh no yes not eating out is definitely saving me money. <laughs> well yes but I just I I was gonna say like the difference between a a, a nine dollar a pound steak and a twelve dollar a pound steak is not that big. That's that's where I was going. Sometimes Uh, I would say, well, you picked a very specific example. Mm. I I found a nine dollar steak that was way better than a twenty dollar steak. Steak pricing is bizarre. Um, Oh yeah, it's really weird. You can actually look at the steak. And have some idea of which cut it is and what it would look like if it was good. Yeah, you don't have. You're gonna have to spend money, but sorry, no, steak. No. You triggered me with steak. No, it's fine. I've had. I have two specific instances of that exact thing happen to you, and that's before I actually ask you for your advice, which I'm sure is better than mine. But uh, I wanted to get mine out there. Number one, I went to a steak place where they, it was around Valentine's, and they were taking ribeyes and butterflying them into heart shapes um, and selling them for, I think, as much or more than a regular ribeye. And they were clearly the like kind of scraggly ribeyes. You know, first of all, I don't want a half-width uh, half or a half-thickness uh, ribeye. Second of all, these, these ribeyes don't look good. It looked like they took... Oh, wait, they were... Flaying them in half? They were butterflying them into a heart. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it was pretty corny. So I got regular ribeye. And they're like, you sure you don't want the heart ribeyes? Because I was getting two. Because it was Valentine's Day, but I'm not an idiot. So I got the regular ribeyes. Um, so, th- you know, there, there's one. And the other is uh, uh, I w- I, when I, uh, over Christmas, I made banh mi for 20 people at my family's get-together. I wanted to get some... Uh, just some meat, like some cheap meat that I could uh, mm-hmm. cut, cut real thin and marinate and, and throw on there. And I ended up there. They were selling it was at, at Publix down in the south, and they were they were selling pork loin for I want to say like two ninety nine or dollar ninety nine. Some really really cheap, but you know it's a pork loin. It's the size of my 
arm. Like it was this giant piece of meat and I needed about half of that. Um, so I asked him to cut it and he said, oh, if I cut it, then it'll be some other kind of whatever happens when you cut a pork loin in half. And then it would be like, <laughs> it would be like five ninety nine a pound. <laughs> like if I had the man cut the thing in half, it would triple the price of the thing. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Never mind. I'll just buy this whole stupid thing. So I did. It was like some real alchemy right there. It was odd. It was it was odd. Uh, You know, like you said, steak pricing. What's your advice on steak pricing? Given my two dumb stories. Uh, Um, hold one second. Okay. Oh man, he has to prepare for the steak pricing question. Oh, I'm very excited. I've always wanted to know about steak pricing. (sighs) <sighs> How are you, listener? I hope you're doing well. Um, we'll be putting these out on Monday nights to Tuesdays from now on, because we'll be recording them on Sunday. I'll try to get this one published tonight. Today is Tuesday, uh, April 10th, 2018. Um, the FBI raided Michael Cohen's office yesterday. I'm sure you're going to, you know, you're going to Cameron and Brock or two people for all of your uh, up to the up to the minute. Uh, political news and intrigue. Um, we have uh, uh, the midterms are in a mere, uh, let's see, um, you're also here for me to do math, remember? So uh, date math, November to April. So we're uh, seven months away from the midterms. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, Who are you, you talking to? Uh, I was giving the listeners a news update on, on um, you know, like we always do. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Maybe uh, I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, steak steak advice. Do you uh, yeah, I'm actually so, serious. I, I really do want to know. I, I'm I pretty much just default to whatever the cheapest thing that has pretty good marbling is. I mean, that's not really the worst strategy. There's so many different cuts. They're they're actually they've come out with try to come out with like new cuts too. New cuts. And, and, and one will get popular and it'll skyrocket, and then you have to move to a different cheap cut. Like, I think we already talked about skirt steaks and flank steaks, which are shockingly expensive, un- unexplainably expensive. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when we first got married, that was a real thing. I had to teach her, her being my wife, how to uh-huh. pick a steak without me there and it be acceptable. Um, because she grew up eating, by all accounts, moderately overcooked like sirloins that may have been marinated in like Worcestershire sauce or something. Right. So her opinion of steak was she didn't she hadn't had steak. She had had what she was calling steak, and it was very confusing because she's like, "Why do you like this?" So we went <laughs> through it. I, I mean, I'm I'm usually gonna. I ribeye tends to be what I'll get just because it's the the fat in it's so flavorful. But yeah, there's just general shape. You know, it has two or three different pieces on it, um, and they'll you'll see prime mark and you'll see choice. And well, I mean, you're in Chicago. Who knows? They probably got dry aged steak laying in 
Walmarts up there. Y'all have Walmarts, right? I, I'm, we probably have Walmarts. I, <laughs> um, we have, I mean, there's a Whole Foods near me that sells steak for like $35 a pound, but I have not purchased that. Hmm. There, there is a place that down um, near downtown called Peoria Packing that is, uh, my understanding is you put on rubber gloves and it's a giant walk-in freezer the size of a store and then there's just meat everywhere. And it sounds like Meatopia. I have not been there yet. But I will definitely like give you that. a bone saw and a knife as you go in. It's like IKEA, but for meat. Yeah, like meat IKEA. Um, let's see, Pior. I'm gonna give you. Um, keep talking. I'm gonna give. You, oh, yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead. I would say know what cut you're looking for. Obviously, the strip steaks pretty straightforward. It's just gonna be one piece of meat in a uh, sort of roughly rectangular shape. Uh, ribeye. I would recommend, you know, filet. You can go non well, sirloin, but you can go non traditional steak things like hanger steak, which I think just, it's this piece, but it has like a big ligament down the middle. But anyway, they're all different. Hmm. But you want to see uninterrupted pieces of meat in the ratios that they're supposed to be, depending on the cut. Like I said, hmm. uh, and you want to see the most evenly spread marbling. It doesn't even have to be Kobe style marbling, but you want it to be even. You don't want it to be look like it's divided up with weird, you know, patterns, etc. Oh, I see. And yeah. you want a good well, you want the meat to be nice and red, but you want the fat to be bright white more than even the meat being red because if it's not gone bad, a steak that sat around a while is actually going to be a little more tasty. You know, you can call it wet aging if you want. Oh, but, wet aging. I like this. Well, it is a thing, but Hun- yeah. Honey, um, honey, that steak, this, I know the steak in the fridge has been in there for two weeks. It's not gone bad. It's wet aged. <laughs> wait, okay. are you the one to convince to eat food that's been sitting around? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm the one who's like, uh, what did you, did you just cook that? And she's like, yeah, it was in the fridge. It's like, I don't think it's good. And she's like, well, why'd you leave it in the fridge then? So, oh no, I'm, I'm the, I'm the fridge police here. I'm the one who goes in on Sundays and like clears out like bundles of cilantro that have liquefied or whatever. Shannon, again, the ALC of this or the, the, uh, steak ratio of this is negligible, but it, it Shannon will always just buy things like that over again, like every single time. Like mm-hmm. no one, she's never checking to see whether we already have parsley or cilantro or herbs or whatever. We just end up with more of them. I have actually, at one point we had three separate bundles of celery. Cause you know, you buy a bundle of celery for like <laughs> a stalk or two to throw into something. So I ended up just like, uh, and I should do this more often, but I just, diced all the celery, chopped it all up, and then put it in uh, two cup baggies and made like literally six or seven baggies of frozen celery in our freezer, which I think ultimately very productive way to deal with the situation rather than like shaking, brandishing a stick of celery from across the kitchen. I'm imagining you bringing out a spreadsheet. (laughs) And like very calmly approaching her when when things have settled down and there's not like another thing going on and you're like I'd like to go over our celery habits <laughs> and I have a chart. 
Now, now you'll, on the left here, you'll see the amount of the average, <laughs> statistically average amount of socks per celery peg. <laughs> um, no, it's, well, just give or take. I haven't been keeping track of the exact stocks you've been buying, but uh, wet aging steak, though. I mean, so you're gonna, yeah. Once a steak starts, I mean, it is rare to never that we let a steak sit in the fridge. But I, I like the the workaround here in terms of it not actually going bad. Um, right. I'm looking at. So, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So then you get to cook it how you want it, and so often it, something will be marked prime, and they have reasons. It's not completely made up, but then in the same little case, you'll see something that's choice that's uh, almost half the price price that really looks better, yeah. and then depending on how you cook it. Um, if you have a really nice steak, this is my own opinion, but it actually tastes okay if you cook it, if you even accidentally are cooking it to medium or something, or heck, on purpose, I guess. But if you have a good-looking choice steak that you've done the right thing on and it's got the right pieces, um, you cook it medium rare and it's going to be good. Well, okay, so that depends on the pan or the frying <laughs> grilling method. But also, if you really are concerned and you can make a pan sauce, then you've already leapt over a lot of hurdles for cheaper steak. So Yeah, yeah. Throw some uh, some Dijon in there and some other stuff. Just sort of whip up a pan sauce. I've whipped up a pan yeah. sauce in my day. I'm not so, a huge sauce on steak guy, but I mean, if, if push no, comes I, to shove. Well, you know. I don't. But uh, yeah, subtle. It works. Anyway. Uh, the uh, So I'm looking at the Peoria packing uh, 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 specials this week. Um, we're talking, uh, let's see, sirloin tip roast for three twenty nine a pound. You got a, you got a, um, let's see, baby back, or no, no, here we go, Short spare ribs, buck eighty nine a pound down there at Peoria packing. So I, I maybe should get down there. Those are some, that's a rare price for, for Chicago. I can get a four. frozen uh either i have no idea uh there i could get a 40 pound case of chicken leg quarters for 1999 <laughs> but then chicken I, leg quarters yeah 40 pounds i i would then have to buy <laughs> something to put those in um so anyway it's a it's some sort it's, of a, it goes in your chicken freezer you guys don't have those up there we've talked about it like one day one day when we're when we and now this is a possibility up here that wasn't in florida one day when we have a basement or if we're in a unit with a basement then that does raise a lot of possibilities um in terms of the the second freezer the 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 deep freeze that kind of thing although you know i don't want to freeze a bunch of meat i'd rather go get it unfrozen anyway uh chicken leg quarters there's a um oh i closed the tab never mind what else we got? I've got a I've got a young child out here in a stormtrooper jammies with his stuffed Kirby who's been watching me for about twenty minutes. So I've had to watch my language. Um, he's you been, have he's seemed been, to be a little more civil recently. Well, I'm just trying to be. I mean, uh, it, I'm also very tired. <laughs> I'm hearing I'm I'm hearing sounds from around me, yeah. like. <clears throat> the house you know, slowly rising, stirring the house moving. Yeah, it's very organic. 
Yeah, it's kind of kind of nice. As we wake up, the house wakes up, and the podcast slowly uh, slowly fades away once we run out of things to talk about um, at eight oh six in the morning. The uh, let's see, I really I'm I'm gonna poke at steak ratio. I feel like I should actually spreadsheet steak ratio and then come back to you with like a steak ratio quiz or something, because because uh, there there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Like uh, I I have. Thanks to Shannon, really, I've ended up getting... Have we talked about haircuts on this show? I feel like we have. Maybe not. Um, uh, I don't know. Hmm, I don't think we have. Uh, I've, I go to a, a salon for my haircut because uh. it's a very nice experience. You get a, a nice lady to wash your hair. It's all very enjoyable. And uh, it's not cheap. But then again, I only get my haircut like two or three times a year. So ultimately... If I was pulling an Andy Griffith to get my weekly trim or whatever, you know, those costs, the, the, the stake ratio at the end of the year would be roughly equivalent, probably. You know? Stuff, hmm. like, stuff like that. Yeah. I would, I would be down with the quiz. I think if, if you thought about it long enough, there would be a lot of key things that we think are more off-putting than they actually are versus things that we accept blindly and we're actually way off on so right. could you do the legwork on that maybe make some graphics uh PowerPoint. could you make it interactive I, yeah just yeah. like a whole thing I'll whip up a square space oh, I, 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 know. put it on the website i'll, I'll just yeah no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm.